0: Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew.
1: Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times, A Plan for the Unknown. I'm here, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, with Matthew Warner. And today's show is called Task Force Pontus. And for those of you who know Latin, the word pontus means bridge. And today's program is about a bridge to safety. We're going to talk to two U.S. Marine Corps veterans and law enforcement veterans who have recently uh, retired from law enforcement. Dan and Mike are two people who are pretty special. They served on the Gloucester County, New Jersey SWAT team, and they were awarded the Medal of Honor and Life Saving with Valor for their actions and the actions of their team during a critical incident in January 2019. Since then, Dan and Mike have both medically retired due to trauma experienced in performing their duties as police officers. And during their retirement, they experienced numerous untold challenges nobody could have prepared them for. So today, we're welcoming them to the show uh, before we do that, I just want to welcome my co-host, uh, Matthew Warner, and for those of you who may or may not know, uh, we live on a boat, and it's the end of hurricane season here in South Florida. It's
2: not in. It's not ending
0: yet. No.
1: <laughs> we had to move our boat today, so we rushed in here uh, to get on the air with you. We didn't want to miss a show with you, our wonderful audience. And thank you again for making us number one this past Friday. The on-demand shows are hitting excitingly amazing numbers. And I just wanted to give a shout out and some love to all of you. So Matthew, uh, how are you doing today?
2: I'm sweating. That's all I have to say. Happy Friday, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Dan and Mike, uh, I'm excited to hear about your story here. I apologize. just ran in here. Um, but, uh, you know, look forward to this hour and, uh, getting to know both of you. All right.
1: That's so all right, as we bring it. both of you on, let me do a quick introduction, Mike and Dan. So our, 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 audience knows a little bit more about each of you and, um, you know, Mike and I uh, have a little bit of time to, to catch up, but let me, uh, I guess first, uh, get just let the audience know how we met. And, you know, that's always, uh, a, I think, a point of interest. So a couple of years ago, Matt and I did some work at Discovery House Ministries with Father Michael Mannion, who you've heard us speak about in prior conversations. He is a chaplain for law enforcement and the FBI, and Father Mike is amazing. We just love him. He had a program at Discovery House that just uh, we could not resist participating in. And what happened was we went there and we found out that what he had actually created was an opportunity for families of officers who had basically taken their lives uh, as a result of their job. Uh, He had their families there to process out some of the, the deep emotion that they were going through as these uh, tragedies uh, were, were voiced by each of them. Uh, we met uh, a wonderful officer. Her brother uh, had actually taken his life, and she's still active duty today uh, in the New Jersey Police Department, uh, where she had been working with both Mike and Dan. So that's how we got to know Mike and Dan. Mike is a five-year United States Marine Corps combat veteran and 11-year law enforcement veteran. And as a police officer, Mike served as a patrol officer, detective, and SWAT officer. And during this time, he investigated hundreds of major crimes, including death investigations and crimes against children. He participated in hundreds of tactical operations as a SWAT officer, including high-risk warrants, barricaded subjects and hostage rescue. Dan is a four-year United States Marine Corps combat veteran, an eight-year law enforcement officer, and as a police officer, Dan also worked on patrol, on the narcotics task force, and as a member of the SWAT team. And he too has engaged in hundreds of tactical operations as a SWAT operator. So guys, without further ado, welcome to the show, Mike and Dan.
3: Thank you.
4: Thank you for having us.
1: So we're going to do a little uh, tag teaming here. I've never had four of us on the air at the same time. So (laughs) so what I'm going to do is I'll actually ask a question of Mike or a question of Dan. And if either of you would like to add your version of the answer to that question, just jump in. All right. And just make sure that we can hear both of you uh, so that we can respond to you accurately, because Matthew and I are also sharing a microphone here and uh, want to make sure that we hear every word. So, Matt, would you like to kick us off?
2: You know what? Uh, hey, guys. So this is totally going to be improv. Like Kat said, we've never done uh, two guests. It's hard enough when Kat and I can look at each other and say, okay, I'm going to speak now. Um, So uh, audiences, please bear with us on this. Um, But um, just as a, you know, usually we started off kind of like from the get-go on what did you guys, how did you guys grow up and who meant the most to you and how did you get into the career? Well, with you gentlemen, the careers, plural, um, and what was your vision? Uh, We'd like to share that with the audience, just kind of say, okay, I actually share some of that upbringing myself. Um, and then they can connect that way. So, uh, Dan, if you want
3: to go first, yeah, sure. <clears throat> um, well, I guess growing up, uh, I had a I was as five. Um, I had a older cousin who I kind of looked at as an older brother. Um, grew up in Buffalo, New York. I lived there for a while. Lived out in Chicago for a while. Lived in New Jersey for a while. I kind of bounced around a lot. My dad moved around a lot for business, um, and to get to the topic we're talking about today is that, that cousin, uh, I was talking about who was a couple years older than me, his name is Jonathan Cote. And, um, at a time of my life, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, I was, uh, not really going in any direction in my life, um, got kicked out of college for terrible grades and uh, had no real purpose, could not figure it out. Um, My cousin had been in the Army. He had been in the 82nd Airborne, and he had been over to Iraq and Afghanistan and the initial deployments and the initial invasions of both of those countries. Um, He came home, and he was not the same person uh, I knew anymore, and he started struggling big time with... uh, alcohol abuse, got a bunch of DUIs down in Florida, um, got trying to go to college, and it was not a good fit for him. Um, he ended up going back to Iraq as a security contractor to try to make some money. Um, at that time, there was a lot of people paying big bucks. <clears throat> so he went over, and uh, unfortunately, he, he never really made it back. Um, he was one of the Americans kidnapped and November 2006 by a terrorist organization working in southern Iraq. And uh, that impacted my life in a way that uh, nobody or anyone ever could have. And that gave me the purpose and direction I needed in my life at the time. And it was out of anger. And it wasn't out of anything else other than anger and loss. Um so I joined the Marine Corps. And that was it. I said, I want to you know, I'm not, I'm not naive 20 year old who's going to go save the world, right? <clears throat> um, or at least save him. That's what the thought was. Um, and I, I did my part. Um, I thought I had a lot of anger and, uh, things I wanted to get out because it was just lingering around. Um, I got my opportunities to get in combat and fill that void, so to speak. And. After, uh, some very life, uh, you know, life altering traumatic incidents, uh, in Afghanistan, uh, I decided that was enough for me. Um, got out of the Marine Corps, went back to college this time around, I got a four zero in law enforcement <laughs> and, uh, I ended up becoming a cop in Washington township here where I'm at now, um. That was not the goal. The goal was to become, uh, go federal, get my bachelor's degree and and go that way. But it just so happened a bunch of the uh, adjunct instructors at the college I was going to were also administrators at the local police department. And uh, I ended up getting recruited. And that's how it all went down. But um, at that same time in my life, I missed all that brotherhood. I missed the camaraderie. I missed the guys being the guys, working together to achieve a big goal that um, you can't achieve by yourself. And uh, I thought I was going to find that in law enforcement. Um, My experience uh, in a suburban police department is nothing like the Marine Corps. Um, In today's policing as well, there's a lot of things that you cannot say or do or uh, offending people and things that at the time when I was serving in the Marine Corps, the good old boys groups existed at that time, and uh, not so much today, in my experience. And uh, which is kind of what led me down to the path where me and Mike are similar in the ways that we got identified early on in our law enforcement careers, is training officers and going down to the early leadership path. You know, two and three years on the job, and. Uh, as that As that progresses, you in a police department like I was working in they there's a lot of guys that just want to collect a check and uh not out there looking to um find the bad guys, so to speak, or get into stuff so that's but that's who I was, and that's who I still am um so all that being said, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, Mike. You want to you want to chime in here and talk a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: So, um, hey, 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 Mike, I, before you you kick in here, yes. Yeah. Um, sorry, guys. Dan, I, you know, I think I can speak for everybody here. Thank you for sharing your your amazing story. Um, you know, I'm processing it right now, but um, you know, there's so many things that we can talk about um throughout that process and what's going on in today's world. I think this is gonna be like a five part series with you two gentlemen and uh, brothers in arms. Um but uh thank you for sharing that Dan.
3: Yeah, you got it.
1: So Mike, you yeah, were just sure. about to tell us a little bit about yourself yeah, and how you got Yeah, just my I'm
3: sorry.
4: My uh my quick background. I grew up in South Jersey, uh, in the Philadelphia area. Um you know my biggest influence uh was my parents. Uh it's a pretty common uh answer, but uh for the right reasons, uh, they worked hard and I, I learned through them to work hard. Uh my dad was uh and still is involved in fire EMS uh so I grew up around that atmosphere as like a first responder. So at a young age I, I knew I wanted to get into law enforcement. I like the tactics, I like that side of things. Um When I was 16, I was a junior in high school is when 9-11 happened, Um, and that changed a lot, obviously, for everyone and for me. Uh, So at 17, I brought a Marine Corps recruiter home (laughs) to sit at the kitchen table with my mom because I was a juvenile, and uh, I signed the paperwork to uh, go into the Marine Corps uh, along with my mom. Um, So... Uh, that was my immediate goal, and I knew I wanted to serve um, because of the circumstances. And uh, for me, the transition to law enforcement was easy because I knew I always wanted to do that. So uh, that was my plan all along, to do my time uh, in service in the Marine Corps and then come home uh, and continue in law enforcement. And that's what I did after five years. I, I came home and uh, went through the process and uh, became a cop.
1: Well, we're really happy to have both of you with us today, and it's, a, it's an honor to hear your stories, and thank you for sharing with our audience. One of the things that we also like to uh, ask uh, is a question that I'd like you both to take, just a pause to think about how you want to answer this, and that is when you got into law enforcement, And and from Dan's perspective, I think we have some of his answer, but did the law enforcement environment, did it match your expectations? And in today's environment, given where we are, what has changed?
4: For me, um, so it it met most of my expectations as as far as um, what my purpose was, which is, to come home, I, you know, I served my, my country and I wanted to come home to serve my local community and, uh, and I did that. Um, so those expectations were, were definitely met. Um, uh, one of Dan kind of hit on, but some of the things that I did not expect, uh, was just like local politics, um, politics within police departments, um, uh, so, some lack of experience upon some people that were put in positions where they maybe should have. Um, so that's something that I did not expect, uh, and that definitely hardened Navigate at certain times. Um, and at, at a time I came home, um, there was, a, uh, I guess, something else I didn't expect was there was a lot of hate towards law enforcement, um, and I don't think I've realized this until the first time. I I made a, a car stop uh, as a as a brand new officer. I was riding with my field training officer, and uh, I remember I, I stopped the car. It was like three in the morning. The car didn't have headlights on, so it should be an easy stop. Hey, turn your headlights on. Have a good night. And when I went up to the window, um, I was just berated. You know, um, a whole bunch of slurs thrown my way, and, and you know I did my job, just told him to turn our headlights on and went back to the car. And I just turned to my field training officer. And I'm like, and I just looked at him. He goes, get used to it. And I was like, it was a, it was a shock for me because, uh, in the Marine Corps, you, you know, you work alongside everyone of different race, creed, religion. Uh, you're all brothers and sisters with a purpose. You know, you go to war, you do your thing. Um, I just wasn't ready to handle that as, as a law enforcement officer that, you know, the the only time I really dealt with the public uh before that was when I came home on leave, you know, and uh everybody loves Marine Corps dress blues, so I was used to uh people thanking me and the compliments and that changed the second I put on a law enforcement uniform. Um not for most of the public, but you know, obviously the uh the majority of what we were dealing with, you know, yeah. on a ship to shift basis. And Mike so that, I'm gonna have yeah. to
1: just take a pause right here. We're going to have to go to commercial break. We certainly want you to finish your, you know, an in- impassioned story about Absolutely. how you felt taking on this role. And uh, we still want to hear from Dan. We are very excited to speak to you after the break. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times.
5: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. Magnusworks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. Magnusworks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with Pulse Vibes, to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. magnusworks.com. That's magnus w o r x.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership.
4: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888 888- 346-9141. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We are having an intimate conversation with Mike Bates and Dan Cote. I was uh, asking you about what you think you expected to get when you became law enforcement officers and how it turned out. And I think, Mike, just to, to sum things up here, uh, you were faced with a lot of challenges coming out of the military where there was mutual respect and then respect for the uniform that you wore in service to your country by what we'll call the civilian world. And then, um, Dan, we didn't, we didn't hear uh, too much from you on this subject. I think you may have touched upon some of this in your introduction on who influenced you and why. But if you could sum up how you felt when you went into law enforcement and what your expectations were, I'd like to jump into the meat of our conversation here, which is about getting you up and running in your amazing new foundation called Task Force Pontus.
3: Yeah, um, I'll make it pretty quick here then. Um, I did not find what I was looking for in the patrol side or in the law enforcement side of uh, what I was looking for. I found it on the SWAT team. Uh, that's because I truly believe uh, they're, they're a different class of law enforcement officer, and I belong there. I fit in there better. And, I, and, like, well, we had 16 guys. I think nine of them were former service, you know, rangers and marines. So uh, that brotherhood existed there, and that's where I I believe I thrived the most in that environment. Um, To get on to the next, how we got to where we are today, um, me and Mike went through this difficult process of the disability pension process in New Jersey at the same time from uh, separate incidents, but also involved in the same incident, uh, HRT, uh, hostage rescue that we had that uh, really impacted a lot of guys on the team. Um, me and Mike are the two two of them that actually decided and and uh, to to pull the plug and, and go along with it. And understanding that at that time no one understood or no one could teach us how to navigate the disability pension process in New Jersey and how it works. And there's a lot of details, and I could talk for hours and hours and hours about it and so could Mike. Um, All that being said, they, as soon as you are found unfit for duty, your employer pulls the plug on you. They give you your check, your last check. They cut your benefits. They say, now it's on you to go apply for your disability pension, and little do you know it's going to take you about over a year. took me 15 months, took Mike 16, I believe, and we have no pay and no benefits. And how do you, how are you supposed to do that to someone who was technically injured at work? And, uh, they say, well, you're going to get back pay when it gets approved. You know, um, I could go into all the different things here, but, um, there's a lot of variables at play. Uh, but it's, I believe, politics. And that is something that I am not and cannot put up with when people are being hurt and harmed that we're doing the right thing and trying to do things and doing things that average people do not want to even put themselves in those situations, and we would do that regularly, and then that's how you're treated at the end. And that experience had me and Mike on the phone and grew us very close together, become the brothers that we are today, but it also, were the type of people to not take something sitting down and say what are we going to do about this? Cause we can sit here and bitch all day to each other about how terrible this is, but what's the point if we're not going to do anything about it? So, uh, that was, that was the, my angle, Mike, if you want to add to that and then go on to our yeah, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dan doubt it. Uh,
4: it, it was a, it was a terrible process. Um, to be honest, um, you know, n- Neither Dan or I wanted to leave, um, but that was the circumstance we found ourselves in, um, and it, it was especially hard for us because at a time where we're dealing with PTSD and major depression and anxiety, um, you know, I was going for therapy. I was at of work for a year and a half, uh, going for various different treatments to try to go back to work. That's that's all I wanted to do. Um, retirement, you know, was wasn't really even an option on my my plate I just wanted to get back to my team um, and every time the team got paged out and I wasn't there uh, it was devastating to me um, you know but ultimately the time came where I had to make a decision uh, and then some of it was um, just kind of what Dan hit on based on politics and leadership that was not there when I needed it the most and you know you, you make that decision You put in for retirement and there's no guarantee, uh, the state still has to do its process. Um, so you, you basically have to, you know, like Dan said, pull the plug on your career and submit for retirement. And you don't even know if you're going to get approved or not. Um, and that process took about a year and a half, um, for the state to make that determination. And, um, for, yeah, about a year that we were left without pay and, you know, in a time in someone's life when you, you're you're already depressed and you're sitting at home alone, you're not with your team, you're not with your coworkers, you're not doing what you love. You know you're you're lonely, you're stuck in your own head, and now you're left without pay for a year uh for doing your job. Um, yeah. it, it it was cr- it's crushing. Yeah, you know, I, I you know by the by the time, uh, thankfully we we did get approved in the end, but. By the time uh, you know that happened, I had enough money to pay, pay my mortgage maybe for one more month, and, and that was it. And then I would I would have had to resort to friends and family. And you know, we're type A personalities; we don't ever want to ask for help. Um, but going through this process, that Dan and I talked and said, "Hey, like if we make it through this, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to do something that to help people that find themselves in a similar situation." Um, and that's why we started Task Force Pontus. Um, yep. you know, specifically, specifically to, uh, you know, raise money. And when people find officers find themselves in this situation on unplanned on retirement, um, cause it definitely wasn't expected for us. And when they're having financial struggles, you know, to help them out, to get them through the process. Um, because I, I think it, it obviously helps them and their family, but, uh, it can truly save a life, you know, just helping someone out a little bit along that, that path.
1: So tell us a little bit about what you have planned for this first event that I think you have coming up, if I'm not mistaken, Mike and Dan, next week.
4: Yeah, so, um, you know, once we started the nonprofit, we started going to uh, our local police unions just to raise awareness on what we're doing uh, to promote and raise money and, and you know, let everyone know uh, about the uh the nonprofit. And through just, you know, after meetings, having discussion with different officers, uh, we were approached by uh, many people just saying, hey, you guys should like hold a meeting of your own, just like a peer-to-peer thing, um, just a place for people to go talk and not feel pressured. Um, you know, there there's uh, a lot done, I guess, on the you know, aside from your department when you're active, uh, it's a lot of mandated training. Um, and, and, you know, some officers don't t- take well to that. You know, it kind of just goes in one ear and out the other. Um, you know, and that was something Dan and I, I spoke about at length, like, uh, you know, maybe hold, just holding this meeting for free. It's just, it's just a gathering and just to talk amongst peers. Um And, and then especially when people started approaching us and asking us to do that, uh, we just went with it. And said let's do it so um you know we got a one of our local union halls to use uh uh, the meeting is october 3rd it's our first meeting so um we don't know what to expect um you know we we put it out there just open invite uh for people to come um but that's just something that came organically through uh speaking with people it's something people want it um and I, i think it could be a good thing uh, so we just ran with it. Um, you know, anything we can do, you know, obviously we started the, the nonprofit with the, the, the goal of helping officers in, you know, the financial situation. Um, but we realized that as, you know, we go on, there's going to be other things that come up and we can grow and expand a nonprofit to help in any way we can. And, you know, that, that this idea of this, the meeting was just one of them. Um, so, that, so my, that's how we got me, to that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let me recap here. So one of the things that you and Dan have recognized is in situations where you are mandated in many ways uh, to retire uh, before you have really prepared for that process, that that quick exit causes a, a lax, if you will, in the system in being able to get you the funds you need in the time necessary. And so in this case, this was over a year-long process. But many of us yeah. also know that if we are retiring from a, you know any agency, that that's a preparation, right? So they know that you're going to be yes. retiring. And so that, that year-long uh, process or longer is already in place so that when you exit, your retirement is smooth. In this situation, it's unfortunate But it was done so quickly because of the medical retirement that there was no process in place that helped the process to do what you needed it to do, which is to cover you while you were waiting for all of your disability to be cleared. So I just want to make sure that, you know, we're all, we're all tracking to the same dilemma. Is that accurate? Yeah, that, that, that's
2: accurate. Yeah.
1: Okay. So now what you're doing with Task Force Pontiff, is you are creating a forum where you're going to have in-person meetings. And one of the things that I'd like our audience just to just to take note of is this could be a possible model for many people who are in a situation like uh, Mike and Dan and anything that you know, if you've already started one of these programs that would be helpful to Mike and Dan, if you could, Maybe get in touch with them and share with them your experiences, because I know that, uh, you know, they really want to get started on this, as they're saying, next week. I also made the suggestion, Mike and Dan, that you possibly do it in a virtual environment so people who are not in your region can attend and participate. And I know you're uh, looking into that. It may not be for this first meeting, but could you yeah. give everybody your website so that they can come and see what you're doing and share their insights with you as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Our our website is the same name as our nonprofit. It's Task Force Ponis. That's P-O-N, and as in dot org, and you can also find us on social media as well, Facebook, Instagram, and stuff like that.
2: Super. Hey, that's great, guys. I tell you, it's the 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 thing that comes to to my mind. um, is mentorship, and that's what you guys are you know obviously you guys will be looking to raise funds to to support and bridge the gap with uh, other law enforcement and and, and professionals out there. Um, but the the key word mentorship that you guys are providing, I think when you're talking when we talk about brotherhood, um, and I'll just I speak for my community, especially being a senior leader. You know, I asked all my guys. Um, I said, you know, one time I said, well, "How do you guys feel about the mentorship in the community?" And there, it never, never ceased that each person, each guy that I asked, they said it absolutely sucks. And what I think, uh, you know, just you know, drawing the, the the line to looking for that brotherhood, looking for that mentorship, that camaraderie, um, I absolutely love what you guys are doing because that's what's going to help bridge that gap, especially with. Um, what we're seeing with law enforcement and also where the community I came from is that all too often you get thrown into a leadership position and you're being fed with a fire hose. So it's very difficult to be a mentor when you're actually in that position and you're and you're figuring it out because we all live with twenty four hours, right? Um, so I love what you guys are doing. Um, I think that that's definitely gonna bring that mentorship, that camaraderie. Um, you know, that different view, or also just that senior view that uh, all too often leaders find themselves not having the opportunity to do. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, Dan, I want to come back to you for a second because, as somebody who's a professional coach, and of course, Matthew is as well, uh, I, I'm sensing that you are you are still very, very troubled by the experience that you've had and the challenges that you've endured. So tell us a little bit about how you are reconstructing your expectations, uh, how you are, in fact, getting back on your purposeful path to um, not only surviving but thriving beyond this.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think that's a everyday Battle right for just about everybody. Um, the only difference is who's going to admit it or not. You know that's that's what I truly think. Um, but <clears throat> being able to overcome the challenges that were thrown that me and Mike were both thrown into, um, this this is not just a job. This is this is an identity, and <clears throat> when you are a person like me who gave it all every day for that to be taken from you suddenly and then just be expected to be stay-at-home dad, so to speak, or doing my best in any other uh, arena, it doesn't, there's no fulfillment there. There should be, right? I mean, being a father is a very important thing. It's the number one thing for me right now. However, it truthfully does not fill that same hole that is now left in me. And trying to fill that hole constantly um, with other things doesn't work. So, and I've been through all that too. I've had really difficult troubles, uh, troubles with alcohol and substance abuse and things of that nature. I have, and um, I've learned in the last two or three years that uh, those aren't the answers, you know. uh, Born again Christian two summers ago, and that's what saved my life, I truly believe, um, from going down a path where I was heading, I was heading down a very dark path, um, which has led to a lot of, you know, personal things in my life that, um are not exactly um in good in good spaces right now. Um but they are a work in progress and every day is a work in progress towards the betterment and um I think I have it on our website. It's one of the one of these quotes that very uh just touches touches my heart in a way. Um and it's Let's see. Yeah, when we restore yeah. others, we ourselves are restored. And being able to be to start this nonprofit and get all the 501c3 paperwork done and start a website and get a bank account and do all the things that we need to do properly to, to be a legitimate organization that we did at the time when we were struggling, um, being able to help other people helps me. And absolutely,
1: uh, absolutely we're gonna go to we're gonna go to a, a, go to a quick a quick break Dan. I, I hate to interrupt you during Got this it. impassioned part of, of, of your uh, obvious uh, love for helping others through this process. We're gonna go to a quick break. We're gonna be right back. You're listening to strategies for turbulent times.
5: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today results will always favor the peak performer Magnusworks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus Magnusworks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental physical and emotional well-being it spans every aspect of your daily life get started now inspire educate impact and transcend magnusworks.com that's magnus w-o-r-x.com how can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses dr greenberg and dr nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple trusted evidence-based tips and tools They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership.
1: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to the show this Friday. Strategies for Turbulent Times. We have uh, two very special guests here, uh, Dan and Mike. That's uh, been sharing with us um, their their uh, cr- uh, well dual careers, um, which they've been in the Marine Corps as well as uh, law enforcement officers. Um, you know, thank you, Dan and Mike, for sharing your uh, your personal stories here. And um, you know, we only have a short period of time left, but. Uh, just uh, we'll continue where we left off,
1: so one of the things I want to ask each of you is what one or two things were you able to do during this downtime that really saved you, that helped you think about creating this bridge called task Force Pontiff
4: yeah i'll I'll start um, through my process though. Uh, just for informational, I, I'm not married and I do not have kids, so my experience is a little different. I don't have that aspect of my life. Um, but when I was in, in, in hard times going through that process, um, uh, looking for something to get me out of that funk, um, just had a lot of deep thought, and um, I just started spending time around the people I love, and uh and my parents, my brother, and some of my close friends. Um something I, I didn't always get the opportunity to do when I was working because I I was always working and on the grind. And uh I, I kinda just had to talk to myself and just kinda brought myself back down to you know, what life is really about, you know, um what are the, the things you love most in life, what's most important to you. Um and like most of us, you know, sometimes we put careers and jobs ahead of other things. Um, so I just took a step back and I knew I had to accept, um, you know, the path going forward. Uh, so what helped me was just that was just spending time with, you know, my close friends and family. Um, and then uh, Dan kind of hit on it with the, the quote. I remember when Dan told me the, the quote about, you know, restoring others and restore ourselves. And we put up on our website. I didn't really think about it too much because when we started the nonprofit, it was, wasn't about helping us, you know, we, we already went through the experience where right? it was helping people that came after us. But, uh, what I realized once we started it, it, it was helping us. And that uh, quote rings true, um, because it, it gave me that fulfillment, you know, something I was missing. Um, and, uh, it, it keeps us involved in the law enforcement community. You know, uh, it, it's just a different, you know, from a different angle, you know, but it keeps us involved in the, it, it, it Fulfills that purpose, so that that was a huge thing for me, which I, I didn't truly really expect when we started it, started it. But you know, looking back and uh, doing it now, uh, it's definitely something that uh, personally helps me as well.
1: Well, before we get into to Dan's version of the the way he dealt with uh, his being able to find a purpose that took him to where you are now with Task Force Pontus, I just want to acknowledge all the. Goodness that you just shared, because as we know in our lives, an experience can create an impact, and that impact comes with a story we tell, which becomes the narratives that we replay. And one of the things I want our audience to hear, and you'll learn more about this next week when we have a specialist on our program, uh, Brad McLean, who's going to talk about the psychology of identity development. Recognizing that each of us has multiple identities that we can leverage at any time to help us through a situation is a huge benefit to all of us. And I just want to acknowledge you, Mike, for sharing uh, what, what you have used as a support because flipping the narrative from how I was attacked how I was, um, if you will, you know, discarded, uh, how I was treated, to how can I change the discussion? How can I change my experience to benefit others? As Father Mike likes to say, broken bread feeds more people. So I just want to acknowledge you for taking that journey and having the courage to change the narrative. So Dan, uh, anything you can share with our audience that will help them through maybe some of a crisis that they're going through?
3: Sure. Um, mine was uh, three or four things, really, all grouped together that to helped me get through it all. But family is number one. Um, my parents, who you know, when I left the house at twenty, I I didn't ask really anything of them. I joined the Marine Corps. I went away, and I never really needed too much from them. Um, and they had been more involved in the last two years of my life than I, you know, the last fifteen combined before that. Um, and that's been huge for me. Um, my faith, being born again. I was raised Catholic. Uh, was Catholic, practiced Catholic all the way up till early
0: twenties, maybe,
3: and uh, kind of lost lost track for a while um being being in the darkness can make you you just stumble around for a while and figure it out but faith was it for me um finding a good church and uh, people to connect with um uh on a different level um that was big fitness michael laugh at me fitness has been huge for me because i yeah i pressure them all the time. i don't like trying to get him at the gym would come to jail me all the time but they <laughs> won't come, but I'm I'm pressuring them all the time. Um, that's like my, that's like my big day. thing these days. I, <laughs> two hours at the gym, maybe an hour and a half workout, 30 minutes in the sauna, five, seven, six days a week. It helps me just get all that extra energy I got and get it out. And uh, I'm a happier person and a more peaceful person because of it. Um, also a lot of group therapy, one-on-one therapy, group therapy, being open to sit in rooms with people and just not be uh, afraid to talk about who you are. And I find that being that way creates an environment where people feel safe, and then they also feel like they can communicate with you. And people share things with me that I never really knew about them or that they would be afraid to say openly. Um, All that stuff helped me find where I belong today, and help me get through all of it.
1: Well, I just want to thank you for sharing here in a group format in our global podcast here today, and we're so uh, touched uh, by both of your stories and your willingness to share with others, and we wish you all the best in your journey. And as you know, Matthew and I are happy to, uh, to cruise in, uh, zoom in to your program. Uh, on the third, uh, to uh, to help you establish whatever you need, and you have us for life. So, with that said, I'm going to turn this over to Matthew. Uh, he always likes to have the last word. <laughs> That's not true, guys. It is true. It is true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I tell you, I just I'm getting so much out of your stories, and I love it. And there's so many. Um, so many of us um that that go through these processes unfortunately we don 't get taught that on what what to expect uh We see guys and gals that go through this uh these turbulent times um especially when it 's not even forecasted like a planned retirement um and we just kind of steer away from that when we 're going throughout our careers and we don 't understand how impactful it is to each person. Um, and I won't get too long because we don't have too much, but i'm um too much time left, but definitely I appreciate you sharing and I know there's a lot more of us out there um and we have a lot of cool uh ways to look at it, but I think um like you guys were hitting on it, you know mentorship fellowship uh sense of purpose, what is that and uh to to help each other out because that's what we're here to do right we're uh we're out there, we we join the military, we join law enforcement, we do uh, great things for other people and other uh, professions, and uh, we think about everybody else before ourselves. And when it comes time that we're by ourselves because of you hit the wall, turn four, uh, it's my NASCAR theory that I share. Uh, you know, we're taking left-hand mm-hmm. turns at 180 miles per hour, and what keeps that sexy car from hitting the wall at turn four, um, and we'll, we'll we'll share that in a later time but um absolutely thank you guys um so on a more serious note because i know you guys have uh been sharing a lot with us uh you guys work a lot on your feet and i know you know hitting the gym being in the marine i Corps, know where this is going
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's your favorite pair of socks
4: I knew I was uh, listening to some of your prior episodes. I knew this was coming. I got to come up with a different <laughs> questions. <man>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. It's uh,
2: really personally,
4: for, we got to take care of our dogs. Yeah. 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 For me, uh, I only wear black socks. I hate white socks. I hate them with a the passion. I don't know why. Uh, they just get dirty easy. And uh, uh, you know, obviously, like uh, certain times, you know, boot camp or whatever, uh, police academy had to wear these old. Old man, white socks, you know, to your calves and stuff like that. So, I'm a big black sock guy. Uh, ankle socks, uh, you know, obviously unless I'm wearing boots, I, I just have my classic boot socks on, but black all the way. That's that's my style.
2: Are they uh, what, what uh, material? Are they cashmere? <laughs> I'm
4: not even sure. Honestly, I think they're whatever Haynes makes, uh, some kind of polyester blend or something. <laughs> oh
1: my god. <laughs> All right.
3: Uh, got got another. Yeah. Dan, go for it. Oh, I, I got nothing to add.
1: Yeah, <laughs> nothing to add to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? It's your last chance.
3: Uh, uh, I'm sure. I got uh, I have a bunch of assorted socks over here, um, white, black, gray. I don't really care too much. That's, uh, <laughs> that's how I address it. <laughs>
1: PC <laughs> sock guy. Matt calls that a PC sock guy. You know, Matt Matt likes socks with things on them. Like, he likes things that say, sometimes they're rude, sometimes they're funny. Oh,
3: <laughs> <sock>. ah, okay. <laughs> All right. I dig it. So, yeah, thing, but, uh, <laughs> yeah
4: well, I have some of those for uh, special occasions, yeah.
1: Yo, the special occasions. All right. Well, we won't ask what those special <laughs> occasions are. Next time I have you guys on the show, I'm going to ask you what kind of underwear you wear. See if we get a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> no more tidy whiteys, please. I,
0: that's
1: a vision I yeah. can't live with. Anyway, I, yeah, you guys have not. been amazing, and uh, give your give your website out one more time.
4: Uh yeah, the website is Task Force Pontus. That's P-O-N N as in November T I S dot org. And you can find us on Facebook, uh, and Instagram as well.
1: All right. Let me go out to our audience one more time. If you have had any experience starting up a help support uh group of any kind, if you have been involved in any kind of groups of this nature and you want to share your experiences with Mike and Dan to get them off to a great start, please uh, tap them, give them your goodness. And you know you always have us for goodness. Matthew and I uh, love you both, Mike and Dan. We love our entire audience. Thank you again for tuning in to help us help you. And don't go away. We are coming back every Friday to bring you more. So have a wonderful week until we're with you again. And sending out the love, you're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless.